Welcome to another episode of our Molecular Cell Biology podcast, a show in which we explore the inner functioning of our cells, the little structures that, when put together, form every tissue, every organ, and every system in our bodies. I am your host, Dr. Herman Rosas Acosta, Associate Professor at the Department of Biological Sciences at UTEP, the University of Texas at El Paso. Hello everyone. In this episode of the Molecular Cell Biology Podcast, Camille and myself, Annie, will be your co-hosts as we discuss an introduction to transcription. Transcription is an intricate process. However, to make it more understandable, we will be breaking down the process into a few major sections. Specifically, we will be discussing the central dogma of life, the basic characteristics of the template used for transcription, transcription in prokaryotes, transcriptional differences and similarities between prokaryotes and eukaryotes, and last but not least, transcription in eukaryotes. Camilla and I are excited to introduce you to this topic, and we hope that you find our introduction to transcription easy to follow, engaging, and entertaining. To begin, we thought it would be best fitting to reinforce your familiarity with the central dogma of molecular biology. You may have possibly heard of this term before, the central dogma of molecular biology. It describes the flow of genetic information from DNA into proteins, and it goes like this. The genetic information written in the DNA is transcribed to generate a messenger RNA that is then translated into a specific amino acid sequence producing a protein. In this context, messenger RNA carries the information to the ribosome, which in turn produces proteins. The process of using a DNA template to produce RNA is known as transcription, while the process of using a messenger RNA template to produce a protein is known as translation. In this episode, we will be focusing our attention on the process of converting DNA to RNA, or in other words, transcription. I know you must be eager to jump into the process of transcription. However, having an understanding of the basic characteristics of the template used for transcription is essential to really understanding the process of transcription itself. Remember, we start our transcription with double-stranded DNA. In the process of converting DNA to RNA, the strands of the DNA are separated into two, and specific signals indicate which one of the two strands is to be used as a template for transcription. The template strand is read in a specific direction, from the 5' phosphate to the 3' hydroxyl. Now, before delving deeper into the process of transcription, it is important to identify the components in the DNA strand that drive this process. The first nucleotide in a DNA sequence that is transcribed into RNA is known as the transcriptional start site, or TSS. The DNA sequence located in the 5' direction from the TSS is referred to as the upstream region, whereas the DNA sequences located in the 3' direction from the TSS is referred to as the downstream region. The nucleotide bases in both the upstream and downstream regions are identified by corresponding numerical values. The upstream region is given negative numerical values for identification, while the downstream region is given positive numerical values, and they both increase progressively one unit at a time the further away you go from the TSS. 
Lastly, it is very important to note that the main enzyme involved in transcription is RNA polymerase. RNA polymerase does not require a primer, in contrast with DNA polymerase that does require a primer in the process of DNA replication. Alright everyone, to facilitate our understanding of transcription, we are going to first address the way that transcription occurs in prokaryotes. The reason for addressing transcription in prokaryotes first is because it is simpler than transcription eukaryotes and this will help us to establish a basic understanding of transcription. In prokaryotes, transcription occurs as a continuous process from beginning to end, allowing protein synthesis to start even before transcription is facilitated. However, to facilitate our understanding of transcription, we usually think of it as being divided into four discrete stages binding, initiation, elongation, and termination. The first stage, binding, begins with the association of the RNA polymerase to the double-stranded DNA. The RNA polymerase is a multi-protein complex made up of several subunits. Two alpha subunits, one beta subunit, and one beta prime subunit, one sigma subunit, and one omega subunit. When all of the subunits are held together, the multi-protein complex is called the hollow enzyme. However, while the alpha, beta, and omega subunits are tightly associated to each other, forming what is known as the core enzyme, the sigma subunit is loosely associated to the core enzyme and thus can be separated from the other subunits. You can think of the hollow enzyme as a completed puzzle. If the puzzle is missing one puzzle piece, the puzzle is then analogous to the core enzyme. That missing puzzle piece is the sigma subunit. So what's the purpose of the sigma subunit if it can dissociate from the core enzyme? Well, the sigma subunit is the portion of the hollow enzyme that binds to and scans the double-stranded DNA searching for the promoter region. Once the sigma subunit locates the promoter region, it allows the core enzyme to associate with the template and initiate transcription. At that point, since the sigma subunit has already served its purpose, it can dissociate, leaving behind the core enzyme. You can think of the core enzyme as the processive unit of the RNA polymerase that displays the actual polymerase activity. In other words, it is the one that has the ability to synthesize RNA. Thus, the core enzyme is the heart of the polymerase. The core enzyme unwinds the double-stranded DNA, creating a quote-unquote bubble, where the two strands of DNA are separated from one another and then reads the strand that has been identified by the sigma subunit as a template to produce an RNA molecule. Yes, but that is already part of the next stage. So, again, the opening of the double-stranded DNA completes the stage of binding, and now we move on to the stage of initiation. During initiation, the first two nucleotides are added by the core RNA polymerase, creating the beginning of the RNA molecule. And once those initial nucleotides are in place, the sigma subunit is left behind. Next comes the elongation stage. At this point, the RNA polymerase is doing two jobs simultaneously. One is creating the bubble, separating the two strands of DNA acting as a helicase. Two, it is holding onto one of the strands of DNA and using it as a template to add nucleotides, creating RNA. 
The bubble created by the core RNA polymerase is approximately 15 base pairs long. Elongation continues up until the core RNA polymerase reaches a guanine and cytosine-rich sequence typically located at the end of prokaryotic genes. The guanine and cytosine-rich sequence triggers the termination of transcription by forming a stem loop. You can think of a stem loop as an upside-down thermometer. The stem of the stem loop consists of mostly guanine and cytosine residues. This makes the stem loop very stable because guanines and cytosines establish three hydrogen bonds with each other, producing a fairly stable structure. The sequence following the stem loop is uracil-rich, which only forms two hydrogen bonds with adenine. Thus, in this area, the RNA transcript produced by the RNA polymerase establishes only weak interactions with the template and can be easily dislodged from the DNA. This facilitates the newly formed RNA to fall off the template. All in all, the stem loop creates a barrier for the RNA polymerase that holds it back. Through the entire process of transcription, there is an unwinding enzyme that moves along the newly formed RNA molecule towards its 3' end and unwinds the mRNA from the DNA template. This enzyme is known as Rho. Rho is ATP-dependent, using ATP to drive its activity. In other words, Rho is an ATPase and it is an important protein factor that aids in the step of termination. The Rho enzyme follows behind the RNA polymerase the entire time during transcription. However, when the stem loop is created and the RNA polymerase is halted, the Rho enzyme catches up with the RNA polymerase and pushes it off the template, thus putting an end to the process of transcription in prokaryotes. Alright guys, we have finally made it to the end of transcription in prokaryotes. We can now take a well-deserved break. But wait! It is important that you all know that even though there is still a lot more content to cover related to transcription, reaching this point is an accomplishment in itself. You have already heard a great deal about a very complex process, and you are one step closer to understanding the basics related to transcription. And that's worth celebrating. So let's go on and take a well-deserved break. Welcome back from your break. Before moving on to transcription and eukaryotes, the next topic we will be discussing is transcriptional differences and similarities between prokaryotes and eukaryotes. For starters, it is critical to keep in mind that in prokaryotes, all the different events required for transcription are carried out by RNA polymerase. In eukaryotes, RNA polymerase is not enough, requiring the help of other factors for the process to take place. These additional factors are known as transcription factors, or TFs, and there are two types of transcription factors, general transcription factors and specific transcription factors. Specific transcription factors are those that bind to DNA sequences that control the expression of specific genes. They help specific promoters to become recognized when needed. Thus, in eukaryotic cells, transcription requires an RNA polymerase, general transcription factors, and, in some occasions, specific transcription factors. Additionally, it is important to keep in mind that all eukaryotes have three different RNA polymerases, which are RNA polymerase 1, RNA polymerase 2, and RNA polymerase 3. These different RNA polymerases transcribe different genes and thus synthesize different products. 
there are four different ribosomal RNA produced in eukaryotes, 28S, 18S, 5.8S, and 5S. RNA polymerase 1 synthesizes ribosomal RNAs, 28S, 18S, and 5.8S. RNA polymerase 2 synthesizes protein-coding RNA, known as mRNA, and it also synthesizes miRNA and long-chain RNA. Lastly, RNA polymerase 3 synthesizes the smallest ribosomal RNA, that is the 5S ribosomal RNA, all the transfer RNAs, and some of the small RNAs involved in splicing and protein transport. One final difference that must be kept in mind is the fact that in prokaryotes, DNA is circular. It is not organized into nucleosomes and it only has one origin of replication. In contrast, in eukaryotes, the DNA is present as linear chromosomes that are organized into nucleosomes and have multiple origins of replication. This nucleosomal organization imposes the need for additional factors to be involved during transcription as a way to make chromatin accessible to the transcriptional machinery, displace and recycle nucleosomes, and ensure the maintenance of epigenetic information. Despite the sharp differences, there are also similarities in transcription between prokaryotes and eukaryotes. In both systems, the RNA polymerase has an alpha helical finger-like structure that employs a zipper-like mechanism, opening up the double-stranded DNA and allowing the separation of the two strands of DNA during transcription, precluding the need for a separate helicase activity during transcription elongation. All right, everyone, a quick recap. We started by discussing transcription in prokaryotes, moved on to discussing the transcriptional differences between prokaryotes and eukaryotes, and now we are going to discuss transcription in eukaryotes. Specifically, we will focus on transcription of mRNA as the best example of how transcription takes place in eukaryotes. Okay, with that in mind, and similarly as it occurs in prokaryotes, transcription in eukaryotes starts with the first stage, binding. The purpose of binding is to recruit RNA polymerase 2 to the transcriptional start site and open up the double-stranded DNA. In the process of converting DNA to RNA, the strands of the DNA are separated into two, and specific signals indicate which one of the two strands is used as a template for transcription. The template strand is read with the same specific directionality as in prokaryotes, from the 5' phosphate to the 3' hydroxyl. With that being said, let's get started. The first protein to be recruited is TF2D. Well, what is TF2D? TF2D is a complex made up of two proteins called TBP and TAF. So, TBP is bound to TAF, which makes up the protein complex TF2D. TBP stands for TATA binding protein, and it binds to the TATA sequence on the promoter. TBP induces a bend in the DNA and creates a clear mark in the area containing the promoter region. This is critical for facilitating the recruitment of subsequent factors needed for transcription. The other protein that makes up TF2D is TAF. TAF stands for TATA binding protein associated factors, and it is a large protein complex made up of numerous polypeptides. TAF binds to TBP that is placed over the promoter region. 
Most promoters are located on linker DNA, meaning on DNA regions located between consecutive nucleosomes. This is because nucleosomes make promoters inaccessible and difficult to be recognized. The various events that occur during the binding stage of transcription can be thought of as a chain reaction where the recruitment of one protein leads to the recruitment of the next. With that being said, once TF2D has found its way to the promoter region, this leads to the recruitment of TF2B. TF2B serves as a bridge to RNA polymerase 2. Thus, RNA polymerase makes its way to the DNA, but it doesn't come alone. RNA polymerase 2 is preloaded with TF2F. Importantly, RNA polymerase 2 is made of several subunits, and the largest of them is characterized by having a C-terminal domain made of a chain-like structure of seven amino acids that in humans are repeated 52 times. RNA polymerase 2 is the largest protein player that is recruited for the process of transcription and is the one that has the enzymatic activity. After the RNA polymerase 2 attaches to the DNA, TF2E is recruited. TF2E enhances the ability of the next protein to come, TF2H. TF2H displays the helicase activity, allowing for the opening of the double-stranded DNA. TF2H is a protein complex composed of numerous proteins, including XPB and XPD. These are proteins that provide the helicase activity. TF2H also has a subunit endowed with kinase activity, which means that it has the ability to phosphorylate other proteins. The kinase activity of TF2H protein is critical because it allows for the phosphorylation of residues in the C-terminal domain of RNA polymerase 2. The kinase activity of TF2H allows for the release of all other transcription factors from the RNA polymerase 2 that have been involved in the initial recruitment of RNA polymerase 2. Even though phosphorylation of the C-terminal domain of RNA polymerase 2 releases it from transcription factors, some of these transcription factors remain associated to the promoter region while some other transcription factors do not. The proteins that fall off the promoter region are TF2H and TF2E. All other transcription factors remain associated with the promoter region and are stabilized by the mediator. The mediator also mediates interactions with any specific transcription factors recruited. General transcription factors need to remain associated to the promoter region because this speeds up the process of recruiting more RNA polymerase 2 to allow repeated rounds of transcription to occur. Notice how the name of all of the transcription factors recruited for the initiation stage had a TF2 at the beginning of their name? Well, that is because they are all associated with RNA polymerase 2, hence the reason why TF is followed by a 2. The binding stage of transcription in eukaryotes can be complex, especially since it requires many different proteins. Thus, to help you all out, we have a mnemonic. The mnemonic is do their best for the polymerase and enhance huge phosphorylation. The D in do stands for TF2D, the B in best stands for TF2B, the F in for stands for TF2F, Polymerase stands for RNA polymerase 2, the E in enhanced stands for TF2E, the H in huge stands for TF2H, and the last word phosphorylation reminds you of the kinase activity that TF2H showcases.
We understand that this might sound overwhelming, but in reality, it is just a mnemonic to help keep track of the order the proteins come in during the binding stage. We are finally done with the binding stage of transcription in eukaryotes. Next comes the initiation and elongation stages. The initiation stage involves the addition of the first two nucleotides to the nascent mRNA, and it is immediately followed by the elongation stage. Elongation starts relatively slow, and eventually the polymerase comes to a full halt at approximately 50 base pairs from the transcriptional start site. Remember, this is denoted as the plus 50 downstream position. The halt is mediated by the negative regulatory factors, NELF and DECIF. NELF is the negative elongation factor, and DECIF is the DRB sensitivity-inducing factor. NELF and DECIF attach to the RNA polymerase II soon after initiation and slow it down, eventually bringing it to a complete stop. In order to reactivate the halted RNA polymerase, the protein PTEFB, or PTEF, must be recruited to allow the continued transcription of the gene. PTEF stands for positive transcription elongation factor B. This protein is able to reactivate the process of transcription by phosphorylating NELF and DECIF. This causes NELF to fall off. DECIF does not fall off, but instead PTEF eliminates its inhibitory activity upon the RNA polymerase II. The recruitment of PTEF is believed to be mediated by the general transcription factors that had originally recruited the RNA polymerase II. So why does this HALT stage occur? What is its purpose? The HALT stage of RNA polymerase II is critical for the process of producing a mature messenger RNA. This is because the HALT allows time for the recruitment of all the factors involved in the processing of the nascent mRNA and the handling of nucleosomes, including capping enzymes, splicing factors, poly-A factors, and chromatin remodeling factors. All of these factors are recruited by the C-terminal domain of the largest subunit of RNA polymerase II. The chromatin remodeling factors rearrange the histones of chromatin so that RNA polymerase II may move smoothly along the DNA. We are now at the third stage of the process of transcription, elongation. The process of elongation is just what it sounds like. The gene continues to become transcribed and the mRNA is elongated. During this step, the processivity of mRNA synthesis increases. At this point, the alpha helical finger-like structure present on the RNA polymerase II is what serves as the helicase to open up the double-stranded DNA since the protein TF2H fell off earlier. Now we have come to the final stage of transcription in eukaryotes, termination. Termination is triggered by and occurs after polyadenylation. Polyadenylation is the addition of about 200 to 250 adenosine residues to the three prime end of the messenger RNA. Polyadenylation is triggered by a specific sequence in the DNA template and involves the recruitment of several enzymes that cleave the mRNA, generating a three prime end where the poly-A tail is added. After polyadenylation, the newly synthesized primary mRNAs are further processed to produce mature mRNA. The processing of mRNA, including capping, splicing, and polyadenylation, will be described in more detail in another episode of this podcast. Okay, so at the end of transcription, we are left with a mature messenger RNA that is ready to be translated into a protein. Recall the central dogma we discussed earlier, the process of DNA to messenger RNA to protein, 
Well, we have reached the halfway point and are ready to turn messenger RNA into a protein through a process known as translation. Translation is another complex process and will be discussed in a subsequent podcast. With this being said, we have come to a close. We learned about transcription in prokaryotes, the transcriptional differences and similarities between prokaryotes and eukaryotes, and transcription in eukaryotes. I applaud you all for sticking around and taking the initiative to learn about the process of transcription. And with this, we come to the conclusion of another episode of our Molecular Cell Biology podcast, a show in which we explore the inner functioning of our cells. Remember that knowledge has intrinsic value of its own, and therefore it adds real value to your life. That's why our official mantra for this show is that knowledge is power. If you like this podcast, indicate so by liking it and subscribing to our podcast. If you have comments or suggestions, email me at grosasacosta at me.com. Once again, the email is grosasacosta at me.com. And indicate podcast in your subject line. If you are curious and want to explore even more, visit my webpage. To do so, Google the Flu Sumo Guy. That should drag you to my webpage, where you will find the transcript to this podcast, along with numerous extra links and materials to help you learn more about yourselves and yourself. Thank you for listening to this show.